0: You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 173, Unearth, Hosted by Dan Terry. Trust me, guys, it'll be fine. And Joseph Wren. This is everything you like, all at once. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if everything you know about the Earth's construction was learned from an episode of Sliders, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Are you ready for some serious thrash metal? Because we're talking about Unearth.
1: Well, we're talking about Unearth, but I would say more metalcore, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit of thrash metal in there, but I wouldn't say for the most part it's thrash metal. I think I think what we're getting with Unearth is uh, one of the ultimate examples of metalcore. Um, it's done well. They definitely fell into a little bit of the generic trap. But that doesn't mean that they do not have redeeming qualities.
0: Sometimes the generic trap is okay if what you're doing is enjoyable and entertaining. I agree. And we're going to get into all of that as soon as Joe does his intro thing. Well, before I do this intro thing, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about 5-Star Reviews.
1: Well, we do enjoy our 5-Star Reviews. I've got one here uh, that we just got the other day, a nice 5-Star review from t doom which is a great name absolutely Uh, he says all genres covered these guys dig some great bands even those underground and underrated bands that made the best music to date love listening and always waiting for more oh thank you very much that review was very helpful absolutely And, uh, and we do yeah we definitely appreciate that trying to get into some more genres actually if you can believe it um sometimes i feel like we talk about uh mostly you know metalcore bands uh, but like, we, you know, like we're doing tonight, but I, I almost want to start, I almost want to start throwing in some crazy stuff, like some more prog and maybe some black metal, maybe get some, maybe get some more death grind in there. I don't know, man. There's, there's so many possibilities.
0: I mean, can we throw Tom Waits on the pile? I mean, I mean, we did
1: that NF episode, so I guess, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's just do it.
0: Spoilers for my album of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Waits, baby. We have some YouTube comments in regards to some of our previous episodes. Regarding episode 170, Dry Kill Logic, Effie says, loved it. Well, we love you. In regards to episode
1: 63, Mudvane, Ernesto says, Lost and Found had mostly good tracks. They lost me on a new game. I could definitely see that, but I ended up throwing most of Lost and Found out.
0: Sometimes time travel is painful, but thank you for that one. We appreciate it. Mr. Fusion. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He doesn't run the gas tank, according to Doc Brown.
1: There you go. Well, in regards to episode 149, Bile. The Stranger says, "Thank you guys. The most underrated band ever. Your words nailed it. I personally think they influenced Slipped and Mushroom Head as they are watered down versions of Bile. I've been there since their first album. What a ride and a soundtrack to my life. Okay, be blessed, fellas. You as
0: well. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and yeah, dude, some serious bile."
1: yeah get some gotta gotta get some bile in there man
0: you know that was, what, that was one of
1: that. my favorite uh industrial december bands for sure
0: absolutely i know we got a few big ones coming up this year name stays of the podcast so that have been brought up more than once that we're finally going to talk about
1: absolutely i'm i'm stoked Ugh, some of those discographies are so long for those industrial bands, like we've had to start listening to the stuff like now in order to, in order to start getting ready for it. So.
0: Absolutely, some of that stuff I feel like you have to be a part of that scene and really take it in in order to fully describe what's going on. But sometimes it just sounds like another version of this cool idea that this person put together. I mean, if Circle of Dust had 20 albums, I'm sure you'd have an opinion about every single one. Oh, definitely. So, Dan, tell me about Unearth.
1: Well, Unearth is an American metalcore band from everybody's favorite tea party destination, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, They have been around since 1998, and they've been killing it, dude. This is... Unearth is one of those bands that... To be honest with you, I really didn't listen to that much growing up, uh, which I know was in contrast to a lot of the bands we talk about. Uh, so I went into this unearth discography discussion kind of being a little bit more curious than anything else. I mean, obviously I'm familiar with unearth, but they were never one of my mainstay bands. And so my goal during this listen-through was to figure out why that was, or if there even really was a reason for it.
0: I'm with you on this one. I know the band unearth exists. But I think they got lost in the shuffle of the early to mid 2000s where all the metalcore kind of sounded like the same thing. That doesn't mean it was bad. It just means that for me personally, I was either listening to it or I heard it in the background. And because it sounded so similar, I didn't take the time to look into who that band is and what makes them unique in the genre. For Unearth, there's not a lot that makes them unique, but is what they're doing executed well? We're going to find out.
1: Oh, yeah, we are. Actually, I've already found out. (laughs) Uh, This is exciting. So their first record... Uh goes by the name of The Stings of Conscience.
0: 2001.
1: So they'd been a band for quite a while, and you can tell on this record. Uh, you know, I talk about this a lot on the podcast of early metalcore and how it was a straight-up, like, combination of what it sounds like. You know, hardcore, hardcore vocals, hardcore breakdowns, but mixed in with, you know, some serious metal riffing and it's pure here it's uh it's very it's very kind of chaotic kind of has that chaotic metalcore band sound to it where they didn't really write songs back then they just wrote a whole bunch of parts and then you know blended all those parts together and cut it into 10 tracks you know it's it, it might seem very by the book now but back then that's just what that's just what metalcore bands did um so this is very similar to a lot of the bands that were out at the at the time like early kill switch engage uh early as LA dying um you know all of those bands sound significantly different on their first record than they would come to be known and that is definitely the case with unearth but what i love about this record is its randomness and how it sticks out so differently than the rest of their material um i think it hits really 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 hard in places the breakdowns are hard the vocals are harsh um, the drumming is is devastatingly awesome, and um, one thing that you you can pick out from this band, as opposed to some of the other ones that I mentioned, is um, there wasn't a lot of early metalcore where people could just like totally shred. And it started kind of coming through that these guys could actually shred, that they had done their their heavy metal homework. So some of the stuff that they throw together is very um, impressive. It's not necessarily memorable yet. I don't think they were a memorable memorable band yet at this stage in their career. But uh, I can appreciate the sentiments, especially going back and finding a record that sounds like this, where I don't already know it, you know, front to back.
0: I listen to this, I look back to 2001, I was primarily listening to new Metal and Thrash at the time. I feel like 2003 Dan Terry would have picked this one up and said, See, dude, it's not just me. These guys listen to Zayo, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that they probably did listen to some Zayo. Um, and and that's, that's kind of the formula that, that is there, in that there really wasn't a formula for old metalcore. Um, and I think that's what really drew me to it, is at the time it sounded very, very, very fresh to me and uh this one still sounds kind of fresh to me and and i actually really enjoyed it to to start off the listening uh week of unearth it was really nice to get just pummeled by this album right out of the gate um yeah i love this one uh 10 out of 10 would buy again yeah like it's uh (laughs) it's no it's great like i don't really have a whole lot of criticism it's not it's not bogged down by clean vocals um it's not overly melodic there are there are a few melodic elements in there but again early metalcore was not melodic it was not mainstream it was not digestible um unless you were just like all really really into that scene so yeah i love this one i love the i love the feedback i love the distortion i love all of it man it's um it's got almost a little bit of a chaotic metalcore sound to it so uh, i love that about it as well a very different On Earth album than than what we were going to get later
0: on It's definitely different from the production sound of the later records. One of my favorite qualities of early metalcore and most of the first releases from metalcore bands, whether you're doing the Norma Jean style of chaotic hardcore, or you're doing the Killswitch Engage style of it's basically thrash with Gothenburg riffs, most of these records sound dark. They sound underproduced. There's not a lot of tricks. The band is just playing the riffs, and whoever recorded it just makes it sound dark and dreary, almost that leftover 90s sound where the guitars just sound like a whole lot of mids are scooped out. Everything works, and there's something about it that it doesn't sound fake to me. It sounds like a band I would wanna see at a show. It sounds like a CD I would pick up after the band played their set. I'd spend my 20 bucks and call it a day.
1: I I mean, absolutely, I, I would have done that had I seen on Earth back then. Probably would have gotten hurt pretty bad in the pit as well. So that's just kind of a badge of pride type of thing. So I guess my biggest question is, what happens in three years to a band like this? Where do they go?
0: This is the time when As I Lay Dying and Killswitch Engage were starting to be noticed. New metal was dying if it wasn't already dead. You were getting your pop-sensible metalcore and hardcore, but then you had this thrash-driven Gothenburg riffs with double bass and a guy just barking at the microphone. And for Unearth, this leads to the oncoming storm in 2004.
1: This almost sounds like a totally different band. Vocalist sounds the same, but Gone is a lot of that darkness, that that chaotic darkness that we were talking about with the first record. And now what we have is another band to add to the ranks of Gothenburg, death metal influenced metalcore bands. Um, It doesn't sound quite like Agile Dying. It sounds more Killswitch to me, but it's Killswitch without the, the clean vocals, without the melodic vocals uh sure there's some melodic vocals thrown in there uh from time to time but it it never became like a i've never heard this band bust out a clean chorus um and so this this is usually the part of the discography where i'm like you know what is the deal with this band why did they go for this generic metalcore sound but i would argue that in 2004 this was kind of the evolution of the genre every band was doing this in 2004 so it doesn't win originality but because of the fact that unearth has been around for a few years i mean since 98 they're kind of already a staple in the genre which is why the oncoming storm uh, was probably one of their biggest records because it gave fans of metalcore another band that could play um kind of kind of uh kind of as an alternative to the more melodic kill switch stuff but maybe not quite as brutal as what Azalea Dying was doing. So this is kind of just in this weird middle ground. And I think think that's why I really didn't check the band out much because I felt like the the things that were being presented on this record had already been presented by other bands, not necessarily better. I think this stands toe to toe very well with something like a Killswitch Engage. Uh, But if you're the kind of guy like me that doesn't like your songs to get slowed down and get bogged down by clean vocals, Uh, Unearth is a great alternative uh, for something like that because you're still getting the metal core. You're getting the screams. You're getting the breakdowns. um, But you're also getting, for lack of a better term, very unoriginal riffing. It's very straight-up borrowed, in certain cases, straight-up lifted from bands like In Flames or At the Gates or Dark Tranquility. (laughs) And I, I know that everybody did it, you know? I know everybody did it. The worst offender is probably the song "Zombie Autopilot," which is just a direct lift of an inflame song. So I mean, <laughs> it's just that's frustrating. At least the, at least the opening the opening uh, guitar lead is, but it's it's fine I guess. Like this record is perfectly fine to listen to if you're in the mood for this kind of metalcore, but it's it's completely unoriginal in its composition. But I can't really fault the band for that because that is kind of what the genre was in 2004. Absolutely. It's a perfect time capsule, and uh, and this is huge. This, this propelled the band very, 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 very far. To be honest, I miss a little bit of the unpredictability of the last record, uh, but, you know, if I had actually taken the time to sit down and listen to this in 2004, I would not have had a lot to complain about.
0: I am surprised. I'm actually shocked to hear the leftovers of the late 90s metalcore The first half of this record, it sounds to me like somebody who was a huge fan of Zayo's Blood and Fire decided to make another record where they still did that. You had the dual guitars, the Gothenburg was sneaking in, but you still had the chug-chug with dissonant highs. The band was still focusing on the rhythm of the breakdown and making it the focus of the song. The drums on this record are triggered as fuck. They might not even be played by a human. I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's 2004, this is what it sounded like. So you have a band who is moving forward with the Gothenburg sound, doing essentially the same thing as everybody else, but they're holding on to a little bit more of the chaotic metalcore that, if it wasn't already gone, was leaving. This might be the first band I've heard that still had the chaotic aspects of metalcore. In 2004, in the same breath, they switch into straight "As I Lay Dying" Gothenburg-driven death metal riffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know about the trigger drum thing. Um, I don't know how common that was in 2004. I don't, I don't hear that. The drums actually sound pretty good to me. I've heard trigger drums, but there's nothing on here that makes the drum sound inhuman to me. Uh, I'm not an expert, obviously, but I don't know. I didn't really have much issue with the drumming.
0: It matters um, if you want to pick on the drummer, but I don't. It's par for the course for metalcore in 2004, as far as the sound of the record.
1: I agree. And this was huge. You know, they, they got on some huge tours for this. This record is largely responsible for Unearth being a household name. And I had no no real, I have no real issue with it other than I've just heard a billion bands play this style before. But the guys in Unearth were above average musicians in comparison to some of their peers. So I'm I'm more into it probably than I should be, and now whenever I hear stuff like that, it's it's more nostalgic for me. But I do miss the brutality and, and all of that. I just it's weird to me seeing this band after putting that first record out go into such a straight-ahead, uh, you know, Gothenburg influenced death metal sound. But take a drink every time we say Gothenburg.
0: <laughs> it's almost a reminder of where music went in 2004 you were exiting new metal going straight into zeo so the expectation was that metal was going to get heavy again but it was going to be a new kind of heavy instead what we got was everybody sounds like as i lay dying yeah pretty much
1: and you know they still i think we're taking away a little bit of from their creativity unearth definitely has their own sound but i don't feel like it was carved out very well here
0: are we ready for in the eyes of fire
1: yeah, I mean, I'm ready for it in the sense that I was ready for The Oncoming Storm. The, in the Eyes of Fire is, for lack of a better term, pretty much the same record as The Oncoming Storm.
0: 2006. To me,
1: it is, anyway. Um, if, the, if any of the band members are listening to this, they'd be like, man, screw this guy. He's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, that, that's fine, but I don't know, man. You get into this record, and it's a little bit more shred tastic. It's a little bit more traditional metal, maybe a little bit less core, which is, you know, again, what all the cool kids were doing in 2006, where they're like, we're going to come across as a legitimate metal band, and not as much as a uh, not not as much as a straight ahead metalcore, but it still comes off that way. There's still, again, a lot of melodic death metal riffs uh, from certain Swedish bands that are being used. Um, and again, I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say they are probably copying these from the source, just the way they're played, because they don't sound like Azaleigh Dying, whereas Azaleigh Dying took, like, elements of Gothenburg riffs, whereas Unearth is just playing straight-up Gothenburg riffs. (laughs) So, I don't think they're copying their peers here, but I definitely... I have trouble. I mean, yeah, it's got better production, it's louder, the breakdowns hit harder, but the songs largely seem a little bit more formulaic um, than I know that this band is capable of more. Like, I know that... I know that they can shred. I know that they can bust out crazy stuff that you're not expecting. And they do pepper cool little elements and, and, and little guitar leads and, and fills and stuff in there uh, to make it sound cool.
0: Right, there's more than but, one spot on each record where my only reaction is, oh, they were listening to Between the Buried to Me on that day, because they sneak in that little sweep-pick dissonant riff that doesn't sound like the sweep-picking trick that every lead guitar player did back then. Just the shred-tastic, it's a trick, guys. Come on. You're all doing the same thing. This one actually sounds like I'm going to play a dissonant passage here. But it's it's the Paul Wagner style of slowed down enough that you can at least hear the notes being played.
1: It's almost like they are trying to hint to us that, like, hey, we're playing this style because it's what gets us in front of people. You know, large amounts of people. Absolutely. But we can do more you're only getting you're only getting a little bit of what we can actually do here. Um, and you know some of the pluses I'll throw on this record is that like they definitely get heavier. they they kind of blast a little bit more on this record. And as it goes on, you know, by the time you get about eight or nine tracks in, um, like, Impostor's Kingdom is one of the f- most brutal songs on this record, the way it starts off in full blast. And then the song after, they, they just go back into, like, the whole normal metalcore thing. And uh, they're giving us a little bit of a hint as to what's to come, that they, are, that they are peppering in these things that are, like, basically telling us that, like, hey, we're not going to always do this. <laughs> you know, we're we're eventually going to step it up in every sense of the word. So this record, you know, probably helped them maintain the momentum that they had on the oncoming storm, but it's definitely not my favorite record of the bunch. And uh, it's not a slog, it's not bad. I don't think this band really has any bad records. Spoilers. (laughs) uh but i apologize to anybody that was expecting me to go off on some huge rant uh but to be honest uh this is still in your face heavy metalcore um without a lot of the tropes you know it would only be a couple of years before bands started going more deathcore and more gent and uh i'm happy to report that on earth more or less stuck to their guns so Uh, this record's fine the last record's fine Uh, I don't like either one of them as much as I like their first record but uh, but that's not like from a hateful standpoint it's just you know I don't know I expect these guys um, to give me a little bit more to play more to the best of their abilities 2008 The March and you know everything I was just talking about about how they you know they could do way more than they had done on the previous two albums could not be any more apparent on on The March this is straight ahead heavy hardcore metalcore uh minus a lot of the Gothenburg riffing that we were complaining about um it's 2008 you can't that can't cut it forever that can't you know be your only thing war of ages um (laughs) but you know i think uh it's funny. there's actually a lot of comparisons whenever i listen to those previous two on earth records i did i was getting kind of a war of ages vibe off of them so you can kind of tell where war of ages got kind of a little bit of their influence from uh but what I like about this record is it is straight ahead. It's more it's more thrash metal than melodic death metal as far as the as far as the riffing goes. And there's more straight ahead just old school kind of hardcore sections in it. But they're still doing all that sweet sweet picking that we love so very 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 much. I know sweet picking is, doesn't mean you're like the greatest guitar player in the world. But you can convince the average person that you are uh, with a little bit of that stuff in there. He's not wrong. So I mean, they keep it—they keep it melodic, but the riff choices and the overall heaviness of the songs. This is a good sound for Unearth. This is this is where they, I feel like they've really come into their own uh, without rehashing anything that they've done in the past. But this is where Unearth starts to sound like Unearth, and you start getting familiar with okay. these guys are going to play breakdowns. They are going to sweep pick over those breakdowns and they're going to have some, some straight ahead, jump in the pit, old school, hardcore sections in there. And um, I love it. I think the vocals are harder. um, The drumming is harder. The riffs are much more composed than they've ever been. So, I mean, I'm, I'm totally on board for this. This this is one of my favorite records uh, that I've heard from on Earth. They really, um, I feel like they really stepped it up here.
0: They backed off on the production. The guitars are not nearly as thick. The overall mix is not turned up to 10,000. I don't remember what year the Loudness War finally died. I know YouTube contributed to that. But in 2008, I expected everything to get turned up even louder than it was before. And I was happy to hear that I was, for better or for worse, listening to two guitarists play riffs, which is closer to the original album. So you have more of a thrash metal mix in that the musicians are allowed to play and sit in their corner of the mix instead of the metalcore, the guitars, are the focus. Let's have 17 layers of guitars and just turn everything up to 10,000, like I said before.
1: Yeah, totally i think this is a good sound for them i think it's a good look for them um they transitioned out of the uh generic early 2000s metalcore sound with this record and really started to kind of come back into their own and um and, and i dug it it's not as it's not as like old school metal as like a shadows fall uh, would be but that's okay like they still very much are what they are they still are a a melodic leaning metalcore band but they're starting to introduce elements that I feel like gives a more accurate look at what their roots are as musicians. So yeah, it was a good release, man. I, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it, but it was definitely a, a step in the right direction for On Earth. I, I dig
0: it. 2011, darkness in the light. So you're staring into a black hole. Is that what you're trying to tell me?
1: I mean, I, I guess that's what it is. I, I don't know. Or maybe you can just find good things in a bad situation. I'm just, just spitballing here. Isn't this a bad thing in a good situation? I mean, I don't know. This is an interesting record because to me, it sounds it sounds like it should have come out um, like it should have come out in a different order than it did. Like if I was just guessing what what order these records came out, I would assume that this one would have come out right after um in the eyes of fire and before the march um it seems like the progression is like in the middle there because with this record what you get is a little bit of a swing back to some of that like melodic death metal riffing with the heavier elements that i was describing in the last record uh so it's it's a step it's a half step back while still maintaining the stuff that was established on on, on the last record so i don't know like um again i don't i don't hate this i think that they are absolutely heavier than they've ever been uh, the sweet picking is back uh <laughs> arise the war cry uh has it in spades that's a great song but uh <laughs> i think overall this record is just a little bit more melodic than the previous and i'm fine with that because again i feel like this is a more earnest sound for them and you know, whereas I talked about them going into different territory uh, on their last record, it's like they've, they've kind of kept that momentum, but maybe maybe there are fans that are like, well, I want those melodic riffs. You know, I want those melodic death metal riffs and them being like, well, all right, well, we'll give you a few of them, uh, something along those lines. And again, I'm creating a narrative here. I have no idea what's going through people's minds when writing these songs, but um, that's just my impression of it. I think I think it's another solid unearth release. Uh, with records like this it's hard because again there's nothing there's nothing that jumps out at me as being objectively bad um, but it is kind of, we are kind of reaching that okay it's another unearth album uh sort of territory
0: unearth as a whole is another band that in general it's all good I can't pick apart consistent delivery of the overall theme it's thrash metal with metalcore and heavy vocals and double bass. The thing that stands out the most to me is at no point in the 10 years of this band's discography up to this point did they just throw in the Howard Jones melodic vocal. That might be what makes this band unique. They don't follow all of the tropes. They stay heavy. I wonder if their focus is on the breakdown of the live show. If it's always heavy and always intense, then you're always driving the energy of the crowd. There's not a point where the band just releases and says, now we're gonna sing to you. If there's a release, it's in the musicians. I don't know that that's unique to this band, but it's definitely unique in the scene of metalcore at the time.
1: I agree, because and there's a lot of there's a lot of bandwagons by by that year that they could have jumped onto. You know, they they could have they could have thrown the more genty stuff in there. They didn't. Um, they could have thrown it. They could have gone more melodic and added singing and and all of that and choruses and everything, but they didn't.
0: Hey Dan, you know, can like, I get some bass drops for this mix?
1: No, yeah, they don't do that either. They don't drop any bass drops, which I think is kind of cool. Um, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I love I, I like Gideon just as much as anybody else does. <laughs> um but uh let's just say that like you know they they keep it they keep it in the vein of what the original idea was. You know even even if you go all the way back to their first record the idea was we're going to be heavy, um we're going to keep it that way. We're going to let the guitars do the talking, so to speak. We're not going to they don't rely on overly rhythmic um patterns. You know, it's like you look at you look at a band like this versus a band like a living sacrifice or Mashuga where their delivery is largely more percussive. Um Unearth keeps it heavy but still brings everything in kind of from a melodic standpoint. So what you have are well con- like well thought out songs, but they focus more on the uh, the guitar. I feel like the guitar really rules with with Unearth. Absolutely. Whereas again a lot of other metalcore band, it's sometimes more about the drums and the bass and the vocalist um, so, you know, and it's not that they can't be percussive. It's not that they can't hit hard. Uh, they certainly do. And uh, they really, really start going into almost more of an extreme metal direction uh, once we get to Watcher's of Rule.
0: 2014.
1: I mean, you get your generic intro song, you know, 43 second song, and then the swarm kicks in and you're getting blasted just right out of the gate with almost like almost like a death like a death metal, black metal uh, type of grind. And then when Trevor's vocals kick in, I mean, it's just, you you go back into pure unearthed territory. But uh, in 2014, it was the heaviest that they had ever been up to that point, which again, a lot of their peers were still trying to hold on to that mainstream success that maybe they'd achieve by singing more choruses. I mean, even as even bands like Azaleigh Dying, which I would have thought would have been on the more brutal end of the metalcore spectrum, uh, by that time, were already having long, big, anthemic, clean choruses, uh, similar to what Killswitch Engage was doing. And you've got Unearth over here doing what Unearth does, uh, which is deliver you heavy, heavy, heavy music with some melody with a little bit of singability but i mean unearth has never delivered to us like a chorus or really that i can think of or any type of super generic song structure um and this record they just took it even further it's almost like they updated. i don't want to say they updated for the times but you can tell as time has gone on that their definition of heavy has changed along with the rest of the world so you're starting to hear other influences creep in there you're starting to hear a little bit more of that death metal influence. You're starting to not melodic death metal, real death metal. Um, and, uh, you Thank know, you even, a of, even a little bit of even a little bit of black metal sneaks its way in here. And uh, I can't say that it's I can't say that I hate it. I'm I'm into it. Uh, but what I love about it, too, is that even if you're not un, even if you're not totally on board with those styles, you're going to like what Unearth did with them.
0: There's some raw thrash driven solos where some bad notes sneak in. It convinces me, the listener, that the band is giving more opportunity for failure. You know, you get a couple sour notes here and there, and I know from the music theory side of it, there's no sour notes, but let's think about what the majority of people think sounds good, is what sounds melodic and falls into the key of the song. If the band is able to sit down and play faster, more intense, add more notes, play them cleanly, and doesn't blatantly destroy the song structure. You know, this band could just decide that today we're gonna play songs and you're gonna have to count to 11 and we're mashuga now, but they didn't do that. They keep just enough of what the fans of this style are gonna wanna hear. They're still focusing on the breakdown, but they're playing more. If that's possible, after six records where the riffs kind of flow together, that's above amazing musicianship. There's plenty of opportunities to put this band on, click shuffle, and without looking, tell me what record it is, and you're not gonna be able to do that. But this is more thrash, more death metal. The band somehow moved forward, but still decided to play this style of metalcore. This is intense, and I love it.
1: Well, you think this record's intense, (laughs) Just wait about four years. Is it time? It's time for All Out Extinction, or, you know, Extinctions, however you want to pronounce it.
0: Thank you for stealing my joke, sir. Oh, I'm sorry about all that, but uh, (laughs) I just have
1: to get to this record.
0: 2018, we're going to bring back more of the Dissonant Metalcore from 2001. Dan Terry's going to love this record. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not unpleasable at this point, but three, two, one, go. Oh, yeah, I'm not unpleasable at all, man.
1: This is... This is like perfectly tailored to dudes like me. Um, again, it's got, it's basically, I mean, if if, I, if you want me to say the generic thing, it's an amalgamation of all of the band's previous material into one consistent sound. You should go buy it right now in four different colors on different vinyl records. As we all know, vinyl's the way of the future. No, okay, so this record is awesome. Uh, Will Putney produced Um I'm trying to think of how many bad records I've ever heard Will Putney uh, produce.
0: Let me check the list. There's not anything on here for Will Putney, dude.
1: Got it. Okay, good. Um, I don't even know where this came from. They somehow went even more extreme than they had before. Trevor's vocals sound more unhinged than they ever have. And the music itself, the songs themselves, are coming from a much more brutal place uh, than they ever have before. I mean again they're still on earth so you, you you're still gonna have melodic songs um but like even some of the more melodic moments on the record like uh the intro to cultivation of infection it's like more creepy than anything else it's not really like doesn't really make me feel very good it's almost like a nauseous feeling uh, and they just and then they just come in and they start blasting anyway i started blasting so like it's oh uh, i don't know man Trevor comes in with these like super deep guttural vocals, uh, more old school death metal. Um, I don't know, man. Like I want to go track by track, but I know that's not this show. Uh, (laughs) They just knocked it out of the park with this one, man. There's no other, really, no other way to say it. Um, They have been cultivating a sound. Uh, They've been cultivating a sound since the March in 2008. Um, So in 10 years, they cultivate that sound, and then you get a record like Extinctions where they've kind of figured it out this doesn't sound anything like the oncoming storm or in the eyes of fire it's like almost a different band and to me i almost ignore those two records in the discography to me the perfection would be stings of conscience right in 2001 and then the second record could have been the march darkness in the light watchers of rule and extinctions like they they should all they should have all just like i don't know man that they fit a certain they tell a story they fit a narrative and, uh, and I love it. I think this is the real unearthed
0: sound. If there is a way to take every stereotype of metalcore and hardcore and put them on one record, but do it in a way that doesn't sound like we just cut pieces out of every Norma Jean record, threw it in with some Killswitch and Gage, dug up some old school death metal, and a little bit of what Between the Buried and Me was doing 10 years ago, throw all of those things in a pile and actually give me something that not only sounds unique, but is composed in a way that I can't predict what the band is going to play next accurately. It's not like the band does dissonant heavy, dissonant heavy, and then plays melodic chorus with intense death metal vocals. The band straight up does like a Norma Jean polar similar sludge, amazing riff-tastic intro, but then immediately transitions it into the stereotypical metalcore sound and then gives the lead guitarist 15 seconds to play by himself. If that wasn't done very well, this would sound like a medley of crap. But for some reason, it just flows together and is interesting because I'm hearing everything that I like, but I'm hearing it put together in a way that actually makes sense instead of guesswork. It's not like we cut up the song and said, well, what pieces go together? And being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, that's not what happened here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is great. And uh, I don't know if I agree with everything you just said, but if the end result is this is a great record, then it's fine. Um, I can definitely... I can definitely feel the, the anger. I can feel the um, I can feel the brutality in this record. So many bands that have been around as long as Unearth have do not sound this fresh on their newest record, absolutely. And one thing I appreciate about On too is that they take a lot of time between their records. They don't put, they don't necessarily put out a record every two years like everybody else does. Uh, and so I feel like the gaps of time between records really helps them kind of get back into the right mindset for recording. And I think that's largely the reason why these records sound as fresh as they do.
0: There's enough time between the records where everybody else is just shoving the same thing down your throat or. Changing slightly, but still following the masses. Whereas Unearth just stuck to what they wanted to do. You have consistent delivery of death metal and metalcore. And everything that creates those two styles, that's all there too. Final thoughts on Unearth. Dan.
1: I gotta say, man, I was pretty
0: surprised by
1: what I got out of Earth, because the only albums that I was really familiar with whenever we started this was like The Oncoming Storm and In the Eyes of Fire. So I kind of had no real idea that this band was like more than that, that they were more than just the, just your your Gothenburg riff metalcore band. Um, and so I've been missing out, man. Uh, I love Earth now i'm a fan now i love i love the last few albums quite a bit and i'm excited to see what they have going on in the future if you didn't give them a chance like i didn't definitely check them out now and really any of their albums past 2014 or really any of their albums since 2008 is a really good jumping on point
0: i'm in the same boat as you i did not listen to unearth i knew they existed but i didn't pay attention because when you hear one song it sounds like what everybody else is doing. You're not going to turn your head and take a look. Unearth is not going to be the band I sit down and I'm going to listen to all the Unearth records today. I did that this week. Don't get me wrong, it was all good. But if I'm going to put together a week long playlist of these are the records I'm going to sit down and listen to, everything on this list, every record in this discography is going to be a good drive to work on Monday morning. We're going to start off the week intense. And it's going to be with Unearth. Yeah. So if you're a fan of anything guitar-driven metal, you should be listening to Unearth. There is no exception. It's all good, and the beginning and the end have just enough of that old-school metalcore that even if you're not the biggest thrash guy, you're still going to jump on and take a listen. Dan, what's your album of the week?
1: My album of the week is "The Tide and Its
0: Takers" by Thirty Six Crazy Fists. For me, it's Tom Waits' "Blood Money." Because batshit insanity is always good on a Sunday. (laughs) Nice. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this show and you thought to
1: yourself, man, I really wish they would talk about this band I know about that doesn't seem like anybody else ever talks about, hit us up, man. We'd be super, super excited about that. Um, We have a giant list that we will add to, and there's a lot of different ways that you can reach out to us. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Discuss Metal. We have a Discord server that you can join if you click on the link in the show notes. You can also hit us up on Instagram under Discography Discussion. Send us a message there or comment on one of our photos. Uh, We would very much appreciate those suggestions. Don't ever feel like you're bogging us down. We really appreciate all the suggestions that we get, and they do all end up going on the main list. So, yeah, hit us up. There's a link to our Teespring shop. If you buy some sweet Discography Discussion merch, you can get a hoodie for super cheap. It's getting cold out there,
0: people. You're going to need that hoodie. And on that note, this has been episode 173 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? One dollar gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal.